Guys, it is still cold. <laughs> Just to give you a little uh, weather update, it is still cold. I've been giving you weather updates the past startups of, you know, the past two episodes. It's still freezing, okay? It is still cold. It's gotten better some, but there's still ice, there's still snow, it's still cold, but it's gotten a little bit better. But like I said, your bones still hurt and your body still hurts. You just feel like you just don't want to get out into the cold. But everybody out there, just persevere. Like I keep saying, stay the course and you will make it wherever it is out there. If it's warm, good. If it's, you know, freezing cold like it is here where I'm at, I apologize, but you can get through it. Stay the course. Early on, stay the course. The episode didn't even start, barely started yet. And I'm already saying stay the course, but stay the course through this cold. Hopefully, for playoff football this weekend, it won't be as bad. Guys, welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful and, like I said, frigidly cold Thursday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, listening on Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some NFL coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, all you have to do is just share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want to reach out to me, go on those pages, follow, like the pages there, just type in Pigskin Frenzy. You'll get episode updates. You will get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's NFL one, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, thank you for tuning into the college episode the other day. Highly appreciate it. We're almost at our in-season goal of 3,000 listeners, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to try to get 3,000 listeners by the time football season ended. We're almost there. Uh, new listeners coming in each and every time for Pigskin Frenzy, and it's a big, big honor to keep doing this. A big thank you for listening to uh, the end of an era episode, and now we move on to Divisional Round Frenzy for Episode 90, NFL Day. So you're finally thinking, now we're talking about football. <laughs> All right. We're not talking about, it's, like a, it's not like a, a dedicated episode. We're talking about football here. We are talking about football here because we're in season technically still in the playoff, in the postseason technically for NFL. We're going to recap Super Wild Card Weekend. I was three for three. This weekend, three for three games that I expected to go one way did not go the way I expected it to. And some games that I expected it to go went the way I expected it to go. So three and three this weekend. We're also going to preview and predict divisional round, the divisional round. And as I call it, divisional round frenzy, because everything's frenzy in, 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 in the world of Piskin frenzy. So divisional round, we're going to preview and predict that. We're going to talk about the latest head coaching vacancies. We're going to see who's in and who's out this weekend for the Pigskin frenzy NFL injury report. You're not going to want to, you know, leave this episode. Keep plugging into Pigskin frenzy on YouTube. Like each episode, Keep, leave comments down below. Guys, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, you name it. Keep plugging in on there. Keep plugging in on X, Instagram, and Facebook for all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Let's kick it off with our recap for Super Wildcard Weekend. Uh, the Texans and the Browns. I thought the Browns and the Texans was going to be a close game. I thought the Browns had a stifling enough defense to kind of make it a game and lead the upset in in Houston, in NRG Stadium. I thought Joe Flacco, what, he was been, what he's been doing going, you know, heading into this game, was quite remarkable. I mean, literally coming straight from the couch, and he revived his football career, right? He revived his football career. I mean, that's just quite impressive. Unfortunately, I was wrong about this game, and it wasn't close. Final score, Texans 45, Browns 14. The Texans showed that they are for real. The, a the defending AFC South champions uh, won 
that home game and dominated that home game on all sides of the ball. C.J. Stroud was a force to be reckoned with in this game. They cannot get a hold of C.J. Stroud. Stroud, 16 for 21 with 274 yards and three touchdowns. Devin Singletary, 13 carries with 66 yards and a touchdown, three receptions with four yards. John Mechie, three receptions with 44 yards and a nine-yard carry. Nico Collins, six receptions with 96 yards and a touchdown and a four-yard carry. Brevin Jordan, 76-yard touchdown reception. And that touchdown reception right there by Brevin Jordan, he was, he was supposed to be down way, way back at the 40-yard line. And he just kept going, and they just they broke he broke tackles, kept going, kept going. He was not going to be denied of that 76-yard touchdown reception. Dalton Schultz, 37-yard touchdown reception, and Xavier Hutchinson, two receptions with 12 yards. Linebacker Christian Harris was a force to be reckoned with for this defense. He was impressive. He racked up eight total tackles, one sack, and an interception. Big highlight for the defense for the Texans. Let's go with the Browns really quick. Joe Flacco, 34 for 46 with 307 yards and a touchdown with two interceptions, three carries with 13 yards. Kareem Hunt did not have a bad game. Eight carries with 26 yards and a touchdown, five receptions with nine yards and a touchdown. He had two total touchdowns. Jerome Ford, nine carries with 17 yards, four receptions with 15 yards. David Njoku, seven receptions with 93 yards. Harrison Bryant, four receptions with 65 yards. Amari Cooper, four receptions with 59 yards. David Bell, eight receptions with 54 yards. Elijah Moore, two receptions with 12 yards. They couldn't stop the Texans hardly, but... Linebacker Jeremiah Oyuso Koromoa was the highlight for this team on defense. He racked up nine total tackles on all sides of the ball. And when you look at it, the Texans just dominated defense, special teams, offense, you name it, dominated on all aspects of the ball. They they ran it a little bit in the in the first part of the game. The Browns did, and first quarter really couldn't get anything going after Kareem Hunt scored those two touchdowns, and they really just. It, they, it was nothing after that. After those two, after that receiving touchdown from Kareem Hunt and that running touchdown from Kareem Hunt, there was just nothing to it. Joe Flacco was trying. He delivered a good effort, but uh, those two picks kind of you know sent him into a whirlwind. By the way, two pick sixes, two pick sixes for that Texans defense, and they were just all over Cleveland in that offense on on the defensive side of things. But when you look at the offensive side of things, you would have thought the Cleveland's defense could have at least slowed a little, slowed them down a little bit, but they couldn't slow them down at all. And not only that, that defensive line that has been stingy all year, and as the the, the, the number one defense entering this game, they got out physical, they got out beaten, out matched by the Houston Texans up front, which was surprising to me. I thought the Browns were going to put in a little bit more effort up, up front. But they were they were outmanned and outphysicaled by the Houston Texans, and it showed. And I think that was the huge issue for the Browns in this game was they were just outmanned up front. And uh, when you take a look at the Texans, man, C.J. Stroud. I'll be going to tell you something. C.J. Stroud has been balling out on another level. He, in my opinion, is the offensive player rookie of the year. He is the rookie. Is the offensive rookie of the year by far. Um, him and Will Anderson and D'Amico Ryan's, who could be coach of the year, they've done a remarkable job uh, for the Houston Texans. I mean, what a turnaround that the Houston Texans have done. Now they're going to the divisional round uh, against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, unfortunately. But 
Let's see what happens there come Saturday afternoon between the Texans and the Ravens. But the Texans have made it to the divisional round. They are not joking. They had an uh, impressive performance Saturday on all aspects of the ball. And C.J. Stroud looks good with Nico Collins and company. So he was the reason behind this win, in my opinion, not just because the Texans were uh, physically, you know, out physically, you know, the physicality was outmatching the Browns, yes, but C.J. Stroud was, you know, putting it up, lighting it up on all sides. He was, he has been, and I'll even go one further. It's quite impressive, and it was, in my honest thoughts, probably one of the most impressive rookie playoff debuts that I've seen in quite some time. So uh, all props to C.J. Stroud and the Texans for making it and for not only winning this game but dominating this game. 45-14, to 14, the Texans defeat the Browns. That's the final score. The Texans move on, and they will face the Ravens Saturday afternoon, and the Browns will We'll just go home, think about everything, and let's see what they can do next season. I mean, you could have a decision to make. I mean, I, I would assume that Deshaun Watson will come back and become their starter along with Nick Chubb because you're going to want to have Nick Chubb back, uh, get your running game, and get your everything going back again. That defense is still going to be stifling, but maybe a quarterback decision could be made between Joe Flacco and Deshaun Watson. I don't think there might be any quarterback decision-making here, but we will have to see what happens Uh come off season for the Cleveland Browns. The Texans go on to Baltimore and face the Ravens Saturday afternoon on ESPN, ESPN Plus, and ABC. Now, 45-14, Texans defeat the Browns. Moving on, let's talk about... Let's talk about this next this next game up, and it was on Saturday night as well, exclusively on Peacock, if you didn't know. Um, it was a frigidly, dangerously cold game uh, between the Chiefs and the Dolphins. I said that the weather will have an impact in this game. I thought it was going to have an impact. I picked the Chiefs to win because I am used to seeing the Chiefs play in an environment like this. I was right. And not only was I right, I was right by a lot. Uh, I did not expect it to be this bad, but it it, it was a little bit. Final score, Chiefs 26, Dolphins 7. Did not expect it to go that way, but here we are. The weather played into a factor. Let's talk about the stats really quick before I talk about the weather because it did have an effect, and I will tell you why it had an effect. Patrick Mahomes, 23 for 41 with 262 yards and a touchdown. Two carries with 41 yards. Isaiah Pacheco, 24 carries with 89 yards and a touchdown. Clyde Edwards-Elair, 7 carries with 21 yards, 5-yard reception. Rasheed Rice was an animal. I said one of the keys last week was to limit Rasheed Rice. Limit him. And they did not do that. Eight receptions with 130 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, seven receptions with seven receptions with 71 yards. Justin Watson, two receptions with 20 yards. Noah Gray, 20-yard reception. And this defense was solid all night with linebacker Nick Bolton being the main factor. Bolton racked up 10 total tackles. Let's talk about the Dolphins really quick. Tua Tungavailoa, 20 for 39 with 199 yards and a touchdown with an interception. Three carries with 25 yards. Raheem Mostert, eight carries with 33 yards. Devon A. Chain, six carries with nine yards. Three receptions with 21 yards. Cedric Wilson Jr., three receptions with 37 yards. Tyreek Hill, five receptions with 62 yards and a touchdown. River Craycraft, two receptions with 33 yards. Jalen Waddle, two receptions with 31 yards. Durham Smythe, three receptions with 12 yards. They really couldn't stop Kansas City all that much throughout the game, but however, linebacker David Long Jr. was the he was a, a highlight for this defense. He played a stellar game, racking up seven total tackles. Now, this game, and when you look at it, 
the weather had a lot to do with it, okay? Um, it was dangerously cold. It was a wind chill, a wind chill of about 28 degrees, negative 28, and the temperature was about at least, at least, you know, negative 7 degrees or negative 8 degrees. It was one of the coldest playoff games that happened. It was... Uh, quite historically cold in playoff in playoff history at least it wasn't not near like the ice bowl obviously way back in the day before i was even a thought but when you look at the game nowadays it's pretty cold all right miami is not used to that weather okay miami is used to uh for example it showed on peacock when i was when i when we were watching the game and i was covering it when i was seeing it it might show where what Arrowhead was like and what Miami was like. The temperatures in Miami by the time Arrowhead was freezing, um, it was 69, 70 degrees in Miami. That's the weather they're used to by January, okay, down in Miami. And they had to go to Arrowhead, a cold environment where among 14 to 15 people, and this is headlining news here, guys, had to get, okay, had to get hospital or I had to get, get medical attention and hospitalized because they had hypothermia because it was so cold in Arrowhead. All right. So when you look at the game itself and when you look at everything, it was freezing and that, that played an effect, an effect on their offense and what was happening on offense for them. So the Dolphins really couldn't get a lot going on offense, okay? Uh, because, I mean, look how, I mean, not only that, it was cold. They couldn't throw the ball well. They couldn't really move the ball well. They had a, it looked like they had a mindset in my in my honest thoughts. Okay, we, we've made it. Congratulations. Let's just do it next year. Better luck next year. And let's just get out of here and go back to Miami where it's warm and go back to the locker room where it's warm. And that was the mindset that they had. They had that mindset going in, you know, and playing in this game. The Chiefs were playing like they wanted it, okay? They playing like they wanted to go to the next round. Isaiah Pacheco ran the ball well. Uh, Rasheed Rice, Mahomes and Rasheed Rice were just connecting. If you hear me snapping on audio, you see me snapping on YouTube. If you hear me snapping on audio in the mic, that is what it was like. They were clicking on all cylinders. Uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, he he had some. He had a couple of good good. You know, good receptions, but he ended up dropping a few. I think drops are still a problem for the Kansas City Chiefs and what they need to work on. Um, what they need to do is get ready for Sunday Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, technically. Sunday evening on CBS. You already know what I'm talking about. They got another playoff game, divisional round coming up, and they're on the road. They are on the road, and we are going to talk about that here in a little bit, but they got to get focused and they got to get their mind right for this game coming up Sunday evening. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold this Sunday evening too. So uh, they're used to it. They're ready to play and they looked focused. They looked really, really good in the playoffs. They looked a lot better than they did in the regular season, which was surprising. The Dolphins just did not look like they were ready for this game. And I felt like they just weren't ready. They weren't equipped. They weren't ready for this game. And I think that, that's really all there is to say about the game. I think the D, I think on the defense side of things, the Chiefs showed out. And it, and it, and it showed because the Chiefs' defense has been kind of carrying them all year. And it showed in this game that they carried them for this game too. They, the defense was all over Miami's offense, outmatching them physically, 
mentally everything, uh, environmentally at least, uh, the, the Dolphins were just getting outmatched. And uh, the defense was really, really stifling for them and, and really just, you know, out-physicaling out -physicaling them on, you know, their side of things. So Miami just couldn't get anything going. And that's pretty much what it was. They didn't want to get anything going. They weren't prepared, and they weren't prepared for the weather. And that's what happened. That's why it wasn't close because Miami was not prepared for that game physically and mentally in that kind of environment. So final score, 26-7, Chiefs defeat the Dolphins, and the Chiefs look good doing it. They have a divisional round playoff game Sunday evening. The Dolphins are out, and we will see them in 2024. Hopefully everything goes their way because they're the number one seed. This game kind of could have been in my, you know, could have been in Miami. And who knows? So let's just see what happens with Miami coming up during the offseason and what they do. They're a solid team. They're going to be fine. They just were not ready for this game. Chiefs are going to get ready Sunday evening for a high-stakes playoff game. So let's go to Monday really quick, shall we? Should we go to Monday? Let's just change it up and go to Monday. I was going in order, but let's go to Monday quite really quick. Because this game was supposed to be on Sunday. Bills and Steelers. Bills and Steelers. This game was supposed to be Monday. This game was supposed to be Monday. And it wasn't. No, this game was supposed to be Sunday. Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon. But it wasn't. They got moved to Monday due to the, the frigid weather conditions in Buffalo. Buffalo. Bills and Steelers. Supposed to play at noon or 1 Eastern, noon Central on CBS Sunday afternoon and it wasn't it was moved to monday afternoon 3 30 eastern on cbs because of the weather being so bad and cold so and snow and blizzard just oh, hazardous conditions you, you can't play football in that in that type of weather so they moved it and they cleared all the snow out from the field however it was quite cold up in buffalo so we're going to talk about this game really quick before we move on to the others i just wanted to take a jump because we were talking about the chiefs because final score of this game was bills 31 Steelers 17 i was right about this game i said that the bills were going to win i thought it wasn't going to be all that close and i was right about this game i didn't think it was close on the field in my honest thoughts the bills are moving on to play the chiefs sunday evening in Buffalo in Orchard Park, New York. The Chiefs are coming into town against the Bills in a classic. And the game is really classic for the playoffs nowadays. In modern time, at least. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Can't wait to see that one Sunday evening. So, let's go with the Bills really quick. Then we'll go with the Steelers. Josh Allen, 21 for 30 with 203 yards and three touchdowns. Eight carries with 74 yards and a touchdown. James Cook, 18 carries with 79 yards, four receptions with five yards. Ty Johnson, eight carries with 26 yards. Dalton Kincaid, three receptions with 59 yards and one touchdown. Stephon Diggs, seven receptions with 52 yards. Deontay Hardy, 34-yard reception. Khalil Shakur, three receptions with 31 yards and a touchdown. Latavius Murray, two receptions with 13 yards. Uh, Dawson Knox, nine-yard touchdown reception. And linebacker A.J. Klein was the factor for this Buffalo defense, notching 11 total Tackles. Let's talk about the Steelers really quick. Mason Rudolph, who leading into this game has not had a bad performance as a starting quarterback for the Steelers so far. He he was the hot hand for this team. Uh, he was getting ready to rock and roll with this team, and he just came across a really good football team against Buffalo. 22 for 39 with 229 yards and two touchdowns with one interception, two carries with 16 yards. Jalen Warren, eight carries with 38 yards, two receptions with 16 yards. Najee Harris, 12 carries with seven, 37 yards, two receptions with 15 yards. George Pickens, five receptions with 50 yards and 15 yards yard carry. Pat Ferrymuth, 
five, five receptions, 76 yards. Deontay Johnson, four receptions of 48 yards and a touchdown. Allen Robinson, two receptions with 12 yards. Even to back Mika Fitzpatrick was the highlight for this defense with 10 total tackles. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, when you look, when you look at the game and when you look at what happened that game, the Bills, home field advantage. And that's what I was thinking in my in my head when I saw how comfortable they were playing against this team. It was home field advantage. You, They were used to the environments. They were used to the conditions. And I don't know, no, Pittsburgh gets cold weather. Pittsburgh gets cold weather, and they're used to the environments too. But I think the talent level between the two teams right now is is, is just different, right? And I think the Bills, in my honest thoughts, were going to win this game because of the talent differential. And and not only that, home field advantage plays a big part in it. The Bills Mafia was loud and active in this game, and I think it caused the Steelers a little bit to not to kind of get out of sync a little bit. Uh, the Bills' defense played solid against a really tough Steelers offense. They looked good up front. Uh, Josh Allen played a good game. He ran a 52-yard touchdown, a 52-yard touchdown run. He ran it back for 52 yards. It was quite incredible. Uh, the, the Bills just looked hungry and looked hungry in this game on all sides of the ball, and I think that is what caused the Steelers to crumble a little bit. Steelers had a, had, had a decent... T- Decent time uh, running the ball. Uh, they didn't look too bad running the ball. Um, but I think what happened between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, they didn't do too bad running the ball. I just felt like the defense kind of caught on to what they were doing offensively. And I don't think, I think after that, the Steelers couldn't do a whole lot more, if that made sense. So um, I think the talent differential, they were outmatched. Um, George Pickens played a good game. He had a 15-yard carry, I mean, 50 yards, five five receptions. George Pickens had a, a really good game. The Steelers made it tough for them in the first half, but I, found, I feel like the Bills just kind of picked it back up again and just ran away with it. The Steelers played a good game, but they just got outmatched, and I think that is what happened in this football game. Josh Allen looked really good. Hard, I mean, look. Josh Allen looked good, didn't turn the ball over. James Cook ran the ball well. This is a team right here. Dalton Kincaid played good. Stephon Diggs played good. Khalil Shakur had another good game. I'm telling you what, man, uh, they get Gabe Davis back, another piece of that offense. That's going to look good come, you know, even Sunday if they if he comes back or come the AFC Championship if they make it that far. It could look good for them. So, the Bills are a team that is, you know, was, was we were arguing if they were going to even make the playoffs. And we didn't know if they were going to make the playoffs at all. And we were thinking, I was thinking a few weeks back during midseason, y'all better step it up or it's going to look rough and you may not make the playoffs. Now, the number two seed just got done beating the Steelers and they're in the divisional round. A home playoff game, another home playoff game against the Chiefs. So... And their rival in the Chiefs, so it's looking good for the Chiefs. It's looking good for the. I mean, the Chiefs, yeah, but it's looking good for the Bills. And hey, it's all. It's 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 all. Honestly, how about you? It's honestly not about how you know where you are then. Sometimes it's about where you are now, and where they are now is a, a totally different area than when the, when we thought what was going to happen to them after they got done losing to the Broncos by a last-second field goal. So, final score, Bills 31, Steelers 17, Chiefs and Bills Sunday evening, 5.30 Eastern on CBS. Or 6.30 Eastern on CBS, 5.30 Central on CBS. Chiefs at Bills, divisional round. Here we go. I'm ready for that game. Steelers are going to, you know, 
wind it back. And there were rumors that Mike Tomlin would not be back. That is false. Mike Tomlin will be the coach of the Steelers and will go into his 18th season with the Steelers in 2024. All season for the Steelers they are going to regroup and rebound and fix everything they need to be fixed and get ready for the 2024 season. Bills are moving on to the divisional round in a highly anticipated showdown with the Chiefs Sunday evening. So, Let's go back to Sunday. I apologize. I want, we were talking about Monday, Sunday evening, talking about Mon- the Chiefs. We had to go with Monday. We had to talk about the Bills really fast and get in on that game. Let's talk about let's talk about the Lions and the Rams, and then we'll talk about the Packers and Cowboys, and then finally Monday Night Football. So the Lions and the Rams. Man, this game was. Honestly, one of my favorites of the game of the week, right? One of my favorites of the week. I said the Lions were going to win this game. I thought it was going to be close, and I was right. Final score: Lions twenty-four, Rams twenty-three. They win their first playoff game in thirty years. Not only that, they do it against their former quarterback, who's given so much to the city in Matthew Stafford. Jared Goff had had a game, and he and he's continued to excel as the Lions' quarterback. The Lions have a home playoff game next Sunday, next Sunday afternoon on NBC, uh, 2.30 Eastern, uh, or 2.30 Eastern, 1.30 Central, Lions have a home playoff game. Can you believe it? The Lions are in the divisional round fighting for a conference championship game and a conference championship spot for the next week. So, Lions 24, Rams 23, Jared Goff 22 for 27, 277 yards and a touchdown. David Montgomery, 14 carries with 57 yards and a touchdown, 11-yard reception. Jameer Gibbs, 8 carries with 25 yards and a touchdown, 4 receptions with 43 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown, 7 receptions with 110 yards. Josh Reynolds, 5 receptions with 80 yards. Jamison Williams, 2 receptions with 19 yards. Sam Laporta, 3 receptions with 14 yards and a touchdown. The defense did a really good job against a high-octane Rams offense. But linebacker Alex Anlazon was the highlight, racking up eight total tackles. Matthew Stafford for the Los Angeles Rams, 25 for 36 with 367 yards and two touchdowns. Kyron Williams, 13 carries with 61 yards and nine-yard reception. Ronnie Rivers, three carries three carries with nine yards, three receptions with 35 yards. Puka Nakua, nine receptions with 181 yards and a touchdown. Demarcus Robinson, three receptions with 44 yards. Tutu Atwell, 38-yard reception. Davis Allen, two receptions with 28 yards. Cooper Cup, five receptions with 27 yards. The defense played a stellar game with linebacker Ernest Jones the fourth being the main force once again. Jones racked up nine total tackles and two sacks. He was a solid threat on defense. This was a back-and-forth game. I thought both teams did really, really well. I didn't think anybody really had the edge until the very end. Uh, when the Lions had the ball last, they just moved the ball well, and they got it. They got it. They ran the ball well in the very end, and the Lions needed it, and that was the game. This game really came down to who was going to have the ball last, and the Lions had the ball last. Stafford and the Rams made it uh, presented a tough challenge for that Rams defense. Stafford played a really good game. 367 yards. 367 yards and two touchdowns with a messed up hand. His hand was all swollen, sore, and cut up and ready. And I think he needs to go have that hand looked at during the offseason just, just, just so he can be better by the time he can play in 2024. Because I'm going to tell you what, his hand has been a key factor all season for the Rams and for this offense. So when you look at Matthew Stafford playing like that, that was quite impressive. And not only that, up front, the, the Rams presented a good challenge to him, too. Kyron Williams ran the ball well. Uh, Puka Nakua obviously had a good game. 
uh, and up front when you know you guard and block well up front and give Stafford time to throw to Nakua, Nakua's going to make plays. 181 yards and a touchdown. They look good. The offense for the Rams looked good. They did not have a bad game. The, the Lions just had the ball last, and they played just a tad bit better than the Rams. And that's all it was. They just played a tad bit better because up front on both sides of the ball, the Rams look really solid. Defensively, Aaron Donald played really well. Uh, Ernest Jones, like I said, Ernest Jones racked up nine total tackles and two sacks. He looked good up, up on the linebacker spot in the edge spot. He looked good and they just played well. The Rams had a good game. They just were, they, they, they got the line to the ball last and they played a tiny bit better and the Rams ended up losing that game. Unfortunately, the Lions still look good. The Lions look good on defense. Uh, Alex Anlazon, like I said, racking up eight total tackles because uh, they did get a hold and pressure Matthew Stafford into making some of those throws, especially with his hand being the way it is. Uh, the Lions look good on defense and Sam Laporta, who we thought was not going to be in, was in. He played through his knee injury. He had three receptions, 14 yards on a touchdown. He played lights out up front. He he was blocking. He made a couple of good, he made some good catches. He made a, t- a good touchdown pass, touchdown reception. Uh, Josh Reynolds played good with 80, 80 yards, five receptions. Armand Ross St. Brown obviously was the highlight with 110 yards of the receiving core. And Jared Goff played lights out. He was in total control of that offense uh, all night. That running game for the Lions, I'm going to tell you what, is a solid and strong offense, uh, strong running game. Uh, everyone talks about it. How are you going to stop Montgomery? How are you going to stop Gibbs? And it's going to come into effect come Sunday uh, in their game uh Sunday afternoon at home. So how is anybody going to stop the tandem of Montgomery and Gibbs? Because they run the ball extremely well. And that's been a, that's been a quite of a, a, quite a few things, uh, the past few weeks. They're the Lions running game and what they do uh, on the ground. So we're going to see what happens there. Gibbs played good. Montgomery played good. And you're not going to, you're going to want to try to figure out a way to stop those guys on the ground. So the Lions looked tremendously uh, capable of not only beating them, but beating the Rams, but beating either the Niners, beating you know, or beating the Eagles, Buccaneer, anybody. They look capable of beating anybody in the playoffs. The Ravens, Niners, anybody. If they have a, an, an excellent ground game and Jared Goff keeps playing the way they're playing, this team looks for real. Okay, I'm just gonna let you know now. Now, Detroit looks for real. Do not, do not underestimate the Detroit Lions in this playoff field because they are for real. Another home playoff game for the Lions. Final score, Lions 24, Rams 23, and they are playing Sunday afternoon. The Rams going to the offseason, and, you know, let's see what happens there. Let's see what goes down with the the Rams this offseason because I could highly consider them a favorite next season, especially because of the way they played on offense this year. So, Final score, 24 Rams, 23. Let's see what happens with the Lions Sunday. Let's see what happens with the Rams during the offseason as they gear up for 2024. So, let's talk about this game. Packers-Cowboys. I thought this game was going to be a Cowboys win. Wasn't going to be close. I said that. Remember me saying that? Y'all remember me saying that? You remember? Remember? I said that. I was totally wrong. Final score, Packers 48, Cowboys 32. 
Packers not only beat the Cowboys, they dominated the Cowboys. Can you believe it? They dominated the Cowboys, and it wasn't close. I'm, I'm just going to sit there and say it now. It was not close. It wasn't a close game. Jordan Love, and I told you guys this, don't let the Packers and Jordan Love get hot. And they let him get hot, and guess what happened? They didn't, they didn't, they didn't cause any pressure, and they let him get going. So, Jordan Love, sixteen for twenty-one, two hundred seventy-two yards, and three touchdowns. Welcome to the party, Jordan Love. I see you, man. I see you, Aaron Jones, who has been kind of beat up all year, had his best game of the season, and it happened in the playoffs. Aaron Jones, twenty-one carries with one hundred eighteen yards and three touchdowns, thirteen-yard reception. Emmanuel Wilson, eight carries with twenty yards. Romeo Dobbs, six receptions, one hundred fifty-one yards and one touchdown. Luke Musgraves, three receptions with fifty-two yards and the touchdown. Touchdown. Datavian Hicks, two receptions with 25 yards and a touchdown. Tucker Craft, two receptions with 15 yards. And the defense forced two turnovers and racked up four sacks. Two turnovers and four sacks. Defensive back Keyshawn Nixon was the highlight on defense, racking up 11 total tackles and one sack. 11 total tackles and one sack for Keyshawn Nixon. Stellar game on defense for the Packers. Dak Prescott for the Cowboys, 41 for 60 with 403 yards and three touchdowns with two interceptions. He was throwing it like a madman that game. Six carries with 45 yards. Tony Pollard, 15 carries with 56 yards and a touchdown. Seven receptions with 29 yards. Rico Dowdell, Two receptions with 14 yards, two carries with 11 yards. CeeDee Lamb, nine receptions with 110 yards and five-yard carry. Michael Gallup, six receptions with 103 yards. Jake Ferguson, 10 carries with 93 yards and three touchdowns. Brandon Cooks, three receptions or six receptions with 40, 47 yards and six-yard carry. They didn't really have an answer for Green Bay on offense. However, linebackers Damon Clark and Marquise Bell played stellar games. They both racked up eight total tackles. So 48-32. Uh, let's talk about the Packers really quick. This is a team that I underestimated going into the playoffs. I'm going to just say that now. I will admit when I was wrong. I've admitted when I was wrong then. Uh, and in the next game we're going to talk about before we conclude the recap, uh, I was wrong about that game as well. So, uh, the Packers, I underestimated them going into this game. I said, but I did not underestimate Jordan Love. I knew what Jordan Love was capable of. I said, do not, do not let him get hot. He has improved, and he and the Packers are a team that are coming into their own, coming into their own. And guess what? They're starting to finally even, excuse me, even more come into their own by playoff time. And they did in this game. Kind of funny. Dallas has beaten top contenders at home. 16 straight wins, undefeated at home this season. They beat teams like the Lions, the Eagles, teams that are top are up there, top contenders up there. And then the Packers come in, who no one gave them a shot, me included, and they get steamrolled at home. They 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 lose and get eliminated from the for the postseason. They go off to the offseason wondering what could have been, and it's at home. It's at home. We're going to get to the Cowboys in a minute. Jordan Love and that offense look good. That running game, when Aaron Jones is healthy, is a thing to lean on. Uh, and if I'm the 49ers Saturday night, you got to 
take note and watch tape on that. The Green Bay goes to San Francisco Saturday night at seven at eighty at eight fifteen Eastern, seven fifteen Central on Fox Saturday night. The night the, the two number one seeds playing Saturday. That's pretty interesting. Green Bay and Niners. And let me go on and tell you something. I guarantee you, San Francisco is coaching up that defense, and Steve Wilkes is coaching up the defense, getting them ready, and getting and watching tape on Aaron Jones because he was a dynamic force to be reckoned with Sunday afternoon against the Cowboys. The running game that Aaron Jones presented and what he presented as a force to be reckoned with, it, it was incredible, him running the football and watching him run. He looked very healthy. His knee looked, you know, not give out at least. You know, it looked good. He looked good it's, overall, physically, mentally, he looked good. And he was a big part of their offense. Jordan Love, incredible. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, the receiving core, kind of tricking and confusing that defensive, uh, the secondary for the Cowboys. Again, unbelievable. And what they did on offense was incredible. What they did on defense was incredible. I mean, four sacks, two turnovers. They were pressuring Dak Prescott the whole game. And they were very physically gifted in that game. They out-physicaled the Cowboys up front. And... The offense was clicking on all cylinders. The Packers are a team that you do not want to underestimate. To me, they were the best team all weekend. I'm just going to let you know now. They were the best team all weekend. If you look at it, on all sides of the ball, they looked like the best team that weekend. They dominated the Cowboys on the road. Cal, uh, Packers have a date with the Niners Saturday night in the divisional round. The Packers making it far. Good job, Jordan Love. Coming into your own, man. I see you. Let's talk about the Packers. Let's talk about the Cowboys really quick. What does this mean for Dallas? To me, and you're going you're gonna to think, this guy's hating on the Cowboys. I'm not. Uh, I had an episode dedicated to them. I titled the episode, How About Them Cowboys? After they beat the Eagles. They won the NFC East. Congratulations. Here's the deal. Um, everyone was talking about the Cowboys, and everyone was talking about them, uh, talking about them uh, making a statement against the uh, Packers, and I was one of them. <laughs> okay? I was one of them. But here's the deal. Not only... Not only was it rough, not only was it rough offensively, it was rough defensively for the Cowboys. It was rough defensively, and you don't hear a lot of people say that often, but it was rough defensively for the Cowboys. Let's start off with the defensive side of things before we get on to the offense. Okay. Let's talk, let's let's start off with this. Oh, uh, not only was Romeo Dobbs by himself. In, 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 for a touchdown once, he was by himself twice along with other receivers. Detavian Hicks by himself. Let's look at some more. Let's look at some more options. Detavian Hicks by himself. Aaron Jones, when he was getting a, throw, a reception by himself. Tucker Craft by himself. Luke Musgrave by himself. When you're just wide open with nobody around. No blanket, no nothing. When you're just when you got guys wide open and wide open downfield, waving their hands, saying I'm wide open, and Jordan Love's just gonna go fling, and he flings the ball down the field to a wide open man. You score. There's issues there, and the thing is, those are issues that I have not seen from the Cowboys all season, especially because of how solid and how strong their defense was all year. They pretty much, along with the Browns, had the best defense along with the Browns and the Chiefs and the Ravens, have had a, a solid defense. 
all year. The Niners as well. So the Cowboys are amongst the elite defensively, and they had no answer for that offense. They could not stop Jordan Love and that offense from scoring. Besides a couple of drives, they couldn't stop him from scoring. It's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. They cannot stop them from scoring. So that's one. Two, the offensive plays that the Cowboys were dialing up. The plays that they were dialing up were predictable. The Packers saw them coming. Uh, a lot of plays that they had dial them up. They weren't good play calls, unfortunately. And I feel like they really could not move the ball effectively until later on, until late in the game when they were trying to make a, a, a you know a last second, a last minute comeback. So uh, besides that. Overall in the game, they really couldn't get anything going besides a couple of field goals and moving the ball well. In the first half, especially in the first half of that game, the Cowboys couldn't they couldn't move the ball well at all uh, because of the play calling. The play calling was too rough. Now, what has to change for the Cowboys heading into the offseason? That's what everyone's been asking me on the socials. What has to change? I will tell you what has to change. Uh, I would say... I would say management and ownership must take a, a release off of the football operations and lean it more towards Mike McCarthy. Because uh, news broke, and I will just go ahead and say it, news broke uh, that Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy will be back for the 2024 season. He will be back. So he will be the head coach for the Cowboys in 2024. Give him some leeway of coaching this football team. Make Give him some decision-making on who he's got as coordinators. Because when you have, with all due respect, Jerry Jones under your thumb making the decisions for you, you're not going to get anywhere. I will say it again. You're not going to get anywhere. You have to... Get have, have let Mike McCarthy make some decision makings and make him call the plays and make him operate it. You can't have the owner operating everything. You got he, he can operate all he can he can operate the majority of the Cowboys, sure. But when it comes to the game itself and the decision making of who's going to be coaching where and who's going to be in what position is going to be coaching, that's the head coach's job. You're doing the head coach's job. How can you fire Mike McCarthy when he? when he's not really coaching the team. Okay? So let him coach and let him get coordinators and let him get specific coordinators in specific, in specific areas. And if Mike McCarthy messes up and he's not the guy, he's not the guy. But you can't blame him and blame a coaching change and all that when a coaching change is not going to do it justice when you don't have a – when you – when you can have a, an owner that has the grip on the whole football team and everything you do. As I bang my hand on the desk, it's frustrating. That's why the Cowboys are the way the Cowboys are. And that's why they always lose come playoff time. And I'm just keeping it a buck 50, all right? So, Cowboys 32, Packers 48, and the Packers are moving on to face the Niners Saturday night. The Packers, no, the Cowboys are moving on to the offseason, and then let's see what changes they make during the offseason with coordinators and what have you there. So, sorry for the small rant, because I'm about to go on another rant. <laughs> so, here it comes. Final game of the recap, Buccaneers and Eagles Monday Night Football. Uh, before we talk about the divisional round and who's in and who's out 
on the Piss Game Frenzy Injury Report. So, final re- final game of the recap, Buccaneers and Eagles. I picked the Eagles to win this game. I said this game was going to be a game where it was going to be close and the Eagles needed to show me something. I was totally wrong. <laughs> I was totally wrong. Final score, Buccaneers 32, Eagles 9. You can almost hear a pin drop. Buccaneers 32, Eagles 9. Let's talk about the stats before we go on to the game. Baker Mayfield, I said he needed to have a sensational game, and he did. 22 for 36 with 337 yards and three touchdowns, two carries with 16 yards. Rashad White, 18 carries with 72 yards. Chase Edmonds, 7 carries with 12 yards. Uh, Devin Tompkins, uh, 10-yard carry and a four-yard reception. Cade Otten, eight receptions with 89 yards. David Moore, two receptions with 66 yards and a touchdown. Trey Palmer, 56-yard touchdown reception. Mike Evans, three receptions with 48 yards. Chase uh, Chris Godwin, four receptions with 45 yards and a touchdown. Payne Durham, 18-yard reception. The defense played stingy and very tough, and defensive back Jamal Dean was the highlight with 10 total tackles. Let's go with the Eagles really quick. Jalen Hurts, 25 for 35 with 250 yards and one and a touchdown. Five-yard carry. DeAndre Swift, 10 carries with 34 yards. Four receptions with 32 yards. Kenneth Gainwell, four, four carries with three yards. Two receptions with 10 yards. Devontae Smith, eight receptions with 148 yards. He was the main highlight on offense for this team. Julio Jones, three receptions with 22 yards. Dallas Goddard, four receptions with 21 yards and a touchdown. Quez Watkins, three receptions with 12 yards. Linebacker Nicholas Morrow was the highlight for this defense, racking up 10 total tackles. Let's talk about the Buccaneers before we go on to the Eagles. This team for the Buccaneers, no one thought, me included, that they were going to make it as far as they did. In the divisional round, heading to Detroit Sunday afternoon for a showdown with the Lions in a divisional round on NBC. Buccaneers at Lions. That's going to be impressive. They played each other once. They're going to play each other again. Uh, <clears throat> Baker Mayfield had had an sensational game, and he did. He was making throws left and right, especially to Devin Moore. Devin Moore uh, with a uh, fine touchdown by Devin Moore that I saw. That was a quite impressive. Uh, making crisp decision-making. They were blocking for him up front and giving Baker, Baker Mayfield time to throw, and he was making accurate decisions all over the field. Baker Mayfield was just carving them up. Uh, up front, the Buccaneers looked good on the offensive line. They were blocking really well and dominating offensively. Defensively, they were all over the, the Eagles' offense. They were all over Jalen Hurts. They were adding some pressure. Uh, they were adding some pressure up front, too. Defense flying up front was outmanning the Eagles' offensive line. And they looked, they just looked good physically. I think the Buccaneers had a better game physically than the Eagles. And I think that's what, that was a big reason why they won this football game. You're thinking, this is football 101. Of course, of course they would win if they had a more physical football game. Yeah, they did. But they just dominated on all aspects of the ball. And Baker Mayfield, like I said, had a sensational game. So that's really all I got to say about, you know, the Buccaneers. Uh, Rashad White played really good. Chase Edmonds played really good. I would keep running the ball with Rashad White. Rashad White is a uh, a factor for this offense, and I would utilize him uh, through the air, on the ground, and let's see if the Lions can try to stop it Sunday afternoons. I would utilize Rashad White Sunday, and let's see what happens with the Buccaneers' offense. They look really good. No one thought that the Buccaneers were going to be in it. I honestly didn't. I did not, and look where they are. They're in it. Divisional round, 
in Detroit Sunday afternoon. No one's given Baker Mayfield a chance, and he has led this team to a divisional playoff game in the playoffs, deep into the playoffs. Congratulations to Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Good, good on them. Good on them, especially with how hard it was supposed to be to replace, and you really can't replace the greatest, the greatest you know of all time, in Tom Brady. But going in there and trying to be the best quarterback that you can be for this team this season, incredible by Baker Mayfield. So congratulations for finding a team that he is in with and finding a team that he is uh, ready to rock and roll with in the playoffs. So let's talk about the Eagles really quick before we get done with the recap. Uh, I told y'all. I said it again, and uh, I'm going to use something that Shannon Sharp said on ESPN's first take, and he's right about this. We were so focused on the Eagles having the best record, even me, me included. I was focused on the Eagles having the best record, too. They were dominating. I picked them to win so many games, but what we did not see was the things that needed to be changed. This is a college coach, but this is what, what Nick Saban, that's why Nick Saban was so great. They were, Alabama was winning, but he saw what needed, he saw mistakes that needed to be changed and he changed it. He changed it all. So for the Eagles, right, there were changes, there were changes that needed to be made and they did not change them until they had to go into the deep in the heart of their schedule against the 49ers, against the Cowboys, against the Chiefs. You know, they beat the Bills and the Chiefs. They played the Niners. They played the Cowboys. They played the Seahawks even. They were one in six in their last, in the last few weeks of their season. One in six, only won one game. They've lost to the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Browns, the not the Browns, the Niners, the the Cowboys, the the Cardinals. Every they lost the Giants. They lost. They lost to the Bucks as well. One in six. They their play calling on offense has been not good. Okay, uh, they changed defensive co- coordinators to Matt Patricia mid season. It did not work. Okay, it did not work. It made the defense quite worse, honestly. And I'm just going to keep it a buck fifty again. It made it quite worse. Um, the missed tackles were a huge, huge thing for this team yesterday, uh, Monday night. A huge thing, and they were missing tackles all over the field. Uh, tackles they they could have had way back there, but it resulted in ten plus yards or even touchdowns. For the Buccaneers. So the Eagles were missing tackles. Like just their hearts weren't in it and they weren't in it. I think a lot of it had to do with the players as well, not just coaching and coordinators. I think the coaching and coordinators and the coordinator effect and changes has something to do with, uh, you know, with everything for the Eagles, but the players were not in it as well. AJ Brown was hurt, he was out due to a knee injury, but. It was it was a that's a weird story there with AJ Brown. I don't know what happened there, but um, he was he was at ringside at a boxing event a couple of days back. Uh, we saw pictures of it on social media. So when you look at everything and you when you look at 
everything with the Eagles, I think a lot of it is the players and the mentality of the players going into that game. I think the play calling does not help. I think the defensive play calling does not help either. I think it's a it's a contribute factor of both parties, the players and the coaching decisions. Sirianni, it does fall on his shoulders. And I don't think we need to get rid of Sirianni. No, I think we need to change the coordinators and make some changes. And let's see if the Eagles can get better because they got the talent, but they need to get better coaching wise and they need to get better mentally and physically and not call generic plays in order to advance because this was not the Eagles team we saw last season going to the Super Bowl. And I honestly thought this wasn't the team that we saw in the first half, but they could have unveiled they they could have unveiled their true colors. So who knows? I'm sorry I'm going off on a rant again, but I'm just keeping again. I'm gonna say it again, keeping it into buck fifty. Buccaneers thirty two, Eagles nine, Eagles are eliminated. Um and we will keep up with every we will, you know, see what happens during the offseason for the Eagles. And as they get prepared, as they prepare for the NFL draft in April, Buccaneers ready to rock and roll as they prepare for the Detroit Lions Sunday afternoon on NBC. Playoffs are set on the AFC side. Saturday afternoon on ESPN and ABC, uh, Texans at Ravens. Sunday evening on CBS, Chiefs at Bills. On the NFC side, we have Packers at 49ers Saturday night on Fox and Buccaneers at Lions Sunday afternoon on NBC. So let's talk about who's in and who's out for the Pigskin Frenzy Injury Report. That was Super Wild Card Weekend. Fun weekend, and a lot happened during that weekend. So that was my recap, and we're 52 minutes in, so we're about to be almost out of time before we go to the NFL Injury Report, the other news, and then preview and predictions for divisional round of the playoffs. So Pigskin Frenzy Injury Report, let's rock and roll. Texans wide receiver Noah Brown, he hurt his shoulder. He is now out for the rest of the season after being placed on IR. Thoughts and prayers are with him. Hopefully, he comes back stronger next season and makes a speedy recovery. Bills wide receiver Gabe Davis, his knee, he is questionable versus the Chiefs on Sunday after missing Monday versus the Steelers. He had that injury suffered against the Dolphins in Week 18. Uh, he missed the Steelers game. They didn't think he was well enough to play, but let's see because he's been practicing a little bit. Let's see what happens as we, you know, Get ready to go for, as we get ready to go for Sunday evening against the Chiefs. Let's see what happens with Gabe Davis. Chiefs wide receiver Kadarius Tony hip and ankle is questionable versus the Bills Sunday after missing the Dolphins game Saturday. So we will see what happens with Kadarius Tony as well. I'll keep everybody on everything going on. I will keep you guys updated and posted on X and on the socials for these injury updates. So uh, Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield ribs and ankle. He was hurt and beat up against the Eagles. He will most likely play it through against the Lions on Sunday, and he will play Sunday. Uh, last but not least, this is a big one. Ravens tight end Mark Andrews was a full participant in practice yesterday and today, knee and ankle, and he returned to practice last week for the team. He could be very well questionable versus the Texans Saturday, and who knows? He may suit up for the first time since suffering that gruesome injury against the Bengals back in November remarkable recovery, if the truth, for Mark Andrews, who was supposed to be out for the rest of the year for the Ravens. And he, now in a playoff postseason run for the Ravens, could make his way back uh, 
rehabbed like crazy. He says he's it's looking like he's feeling good. He's practicing well. He's they says he's looking good, and he may well come back for the Ravens Saturday against the Texans. So remarkable recovery. If if it is or if it is true for Mark Andrews, and if he does end up coming back for them Saturday. That is the Pigskin Frenzy NFL Injury Report. Thoughts and prayers for everybody on the list. We will uh, update everybody on X and on socials for Pigskin Frenzy. So, other news before we head to the preview and predictions for the divisional round. Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, the latest on him, he interviewed for the Los Angeles Chargers head coaching job and for the Atlanta Falcons head coaching job. So, everybody is pursuing Jim Harbaugh still. He is a good fit. He he will be one of the only he listen. He is one of the only handful of coaches to go to a Super Bowl and win a national championship. So to add, so he very well could add a win a Super Bowl and win a national championship on that list. He is one of the only few coaches to do well in college and in NFL football. Solid football coach. A higher it would be for the Chargers and or the Falcons if they landed Jim Harbaugh. He is still negotiating with Michigan as well, so all options are on the table for head coach Jim Harbaugh. The Patriots have parted ways after 24 seasons with head coach and GM Bill Belichick. That happened last week. It was a big-time news. Uh, it, it's been a long time coming ever since what happened with the Patriots this season. Everybody's been wondering, who are they going to get as their head coach? They wasted a little time for, because the man that was shadowing under Bill Belichick is now the next head coach. They have hired linebacker coach Gerard Mayo as their next head coach. He will try to make try to make the Patriots, you know, Back to being the Patriot way again. Uh, I don't know exactly what the Patriot way is, but back to being the New England Patriots. And let's see what Jerron Mayo does as their head coach coming in 2024 and for the 2024 season. Bill Belichick uh, no longer with the team. End of an era, as well as Nick Saban retiring. End of an era for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And an end of an era as he moves on from the Patriots, but he is not retiring from coaching. Bill Belichick still wants to coach in the NFL, and he is being interviewed. He has also been interviewed by the Atlanta Falcons. There is mutual interest between both parties. Uh, reports are in that Bill Belichick wants to coach a uh, talented but yet underachieving team. Ding, 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 the Atlanta Falcons. He is mutual. He is very interested in coaching the Atlanta Falcons and vice versa. So he is interviewed for the Falcons head coaching job. Uh, my only problem, my only thing is just give him the head coaching job. I would not give him a GM job. I would not give him a front office job. I would give him a head coaching job and let him make decisions on players and coordinators and who to get for, you know, and who to get player-wise in the draft, but not GM jobs, you know, not with contracts and all that stuff. Don't give him that. Give him a head coaching job, and I think it will be suffice because when he was, before he became the GM of the Patriots, there was no, arguably no better coach. So Bill Belichick interviewing with the Falcons. He is gone from the Patriots, end of an era in the coaching world for the NFL. So that that is all the other news that I got so far. Um, in the NFL, and we will talk about other news coming up next week uh, if we find any more, and I'll keep everybody updated as usual on X. So, the divisional round preview and predictions. We're deep into playoff football here. Here we go. Let's preview and predict these these, these four games. Uh, kicking it off with the AFC before we get to the NFC, and then we'll conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Texans 
at Ravens. This game, Saturday afternoon on ESPN and ABC, this game is going to be quite something. So uh, for the Texans, it's pretty simple, and it's what a lot of people have been saying about the Ravens. Slow down their rushing attack. The Ravens are first in rushing offense. The Texans are sixth in rushing defense. Uh, and and I, if you just slow down the rushing attack and slow down Lamar Jackson, slow down Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and slow down the rushing attack of the Ravens, I think you may have a shot. Um, that running attack for the Ravens is something special. So I would just... I would zero in on that and make that a big key, a part of trying to get the victory here Saturday afternoon and trying to pull off the upset in M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. For the Ravens, it's kind of like vice versa almost for the Ravens. They're, the key to this one for them is to slow down their passing attack. The Texans are seventh in passing offense, and the Ravens are sixth in passing defense. They can do it. They got the defense to do it. But will they do it? I think you got to do it. You got to make it a priority. CJ Stroud playing lights out football as a rookie for this team. This is a good offense, and he is that he is trying to operate under is a very underrated offense for the Texans and what D'Amico Ryan's and what they are doing. Uh, at Houston is quite remarkable. So if you're CJ Stroud, if you're the defense, I would try to pressure CJ Stroud, try to slow down their passing attack, and try to slow down everything that they are trying to do through the air in this game. So who do I have one in this ball game between the two? I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Texans are going to actually give the Baltimore Ravens a run for their money, but I think the Ravens are going to come out, play really well and play really strong and they get the win over the Texans. Final score, Ravens 28, Texans 17. Ravens 28, Texans 17. The Texans are eliminated from the playoffs. They go home and get ready for the 2024 offseason after having a remarkable season so far. And the Ravens move on to the AFC Championship game at home where they'll face the either the winner of the Bills or the Chiefs. So, 28-17, Ravens defeat the Texans Saturday afternoon. So, let's go into Sunday evening for the AFC, and let's talk about that game. Chiefs at Bills. I think this game is quite interesting, and I think it's a it's always quite interesting because this is the kind of like the new modern-day rival, one of the new modern-day rivalries, uh, kind of like a Manning and Brady. Mahomes and Allen is a modern-day you know, equivalent to that when it comes to playing playoff football and in regular season games. So Chiefs at Bills. Uh, for the Chiefs, cause Josh Allen to make mistakes. Just make him make mistakes. Make him turn the ball over. Don't let him play like you did against the Steelers and don't let him cook too well because if he does, it's kind of hard to stop Josh Allen once he gets into a rhythm. So, I would cause him with your defense and make a mistake. I mean, make him make him make some mistakes and turn the ball over. Just play your brand of defense. The Chiefs have the second best defense in the National Football League. Technically, they have the first now that the Browns are out. So for the defense, man, just just play like you did against the Dolphins, and you should be you should be set. Stifling hard physical defense against the Josh Allen and the Bills, and you may can pull out a victory here, you know, and make Josh Allen make some mistakes, and you may pull out a victory here in Orchard Park. And if you're the Bills, play some defense of your own right and contain Rasheed Rice. He was a factor in that Dolphins game. I'm pretty sure Mahomes is going to want to make him a, want to make him and Kelsey factors in this game, especially Rasheed Rice. He is their go-to guy right now. He has been cooking. Go and contain Rasheed Rice. That is a big, big thing if you're the Bills in this game. I think that's that's a huge key to this. If you contain him, slow him down and limit their weapons and you know play some excellent defense up front and pressure Mahomes a little bit, you could probably pull off a win 
here in Orchard Park. So uh, that's a big key for me if you're the Bills. Who wins this ball game? I think it's going to be back and forth. I think it's going to be a classic game, just like the Chiefs and Bills always do and always perform uh, in the playoffs. However, I think despite being on the road, they find a way to get it done. They just look different in the playoffs, in my opinion. I think the Chiefs get the win here. They defeat the Bills in a close one, a very close game. I'll say Chiefs 31, Bills 28. Harrison Buckner kicks a game-winning field goal and wins the game in Orchard Park. Chiefs 31, Bills 28, and the Chiefs go on to face the Ravens in the AFC Championship game in Baltimore. Chiefs 31, Bills 28, and the Chiefs move on to the AFC Championship game next week. So let's go down to the NFC, NFC side of things. Packers at 49ers Saturday night. At, on Fox, a surprising game. The Packers have made it, and they have done extremely well up to this point, and they look like a team that is very, very hungry, uh, and do not underestimate this team, because this week, I'm not underestimating this team. But here come the 49ers, a solid team all around. Probably the most complete team in the NFL is the San Francisco 49ers. So, if you're the Packers, what you want to, and this is a big key here, try to slow down the running game of Christian McCaffrey. I know McCaffrey has a little bit of a calf issue, but he... It's looking like he will be okay heading into this game and will play Saturday night. So McCaffrey, the 49ers are third in rushing offense. The Packers are 28th in rushing defense. That is a big problem when you have a star running back and a solid running back and probably the best running back in the game with Christian McCaffrey. So third in rushing offense, 28th in rushing defense. You've got to figure out a way to slow down and limit Christian McCaffrey in this offense and to try to create a spark on defense and gain some confidence for your defense and team slowing down the run of the 49ers. So that's my key for the Packers here. Uh, for the for the 49ers, I would man up on the Packers wide receivers. Man up on Romeo Dobbs, Jatavian Hicks, Luke Musgraves, the tight end. Man up on these guys. Uh, if you Because the Cowboys didn't really man up on them all that well. Uh, do what the Cowboys didn't do. Right, and that's man up on them, man up on them, cover them to the max, and contain them. And if you contain them and limit them, and you should be fine. You should be fine in this game. Uh, and I, I would just challenge the secondary to man up on these Packers wide receivers because they are some solid receivers that they got going. And the Packers are finally coming into their own. So this is a tricky game for the 49ers this weekend. If I knew, if I had to put anybody on upset alert, it would be the Pack. It would be the Niners. So just watch out here in this game. Who do I have one in this game? Unfortunately, I do not think there's going to be an upset. I think it will be a close game. I think the Packers are going to give it all they got. They're going to fight until the end, but I think the Niners are going to play just as good of a game. They're going to fight, and they're going to win out. They're going to outmatch the Packers, and the Packers will lose this ball game to the 49ers. The Niners will win 28-21. 49ers 28, Packers 21. The Niners go on to the NFC Championship game once again. Uh, a home NFC championship game for them once again against the winners of the Buccaneers at Lions. And speaking of that game, last but not least, before we, before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, Buccaneers at Lions. Let's talk about this game for a little bit. Interesting game here. Battle between the two teams that honestly have not gotten a lot of credit this season. A lot of people didn't think they were going to be in this at point. Lions won their first playoff game in 30 years the Buccaneers, a team that no one thought was going to be in it after Tom Brady left. 
here we go. Here we go. Buccaneers at Lions. Something's got to give here in Detroit Sunday afternoon. For the Buccaneers, do not let the Lions start fast on offense. And that is a big problem. That is a big thing for the Buccaneers on defense. So they need to not let the Lions start fast on offense. The Lions are third in offense in the league. Buccaneers are 23rd in defense in the league. So try to figure out a way to get them to uh, make some mistakes on their own right and make them start out sluggish and slow. And then you start playing, you know, on offense fast and start off fast and, uh, you know, confuse them a little bit. So do not let the Lions start, uh, you know, fast on offense. So if you're the Lions, you got to play physical football and beat them up front because the Buccaneers look like a very good physical football team against the Eagles this past Monday night. So if you're the Lions, I would play physical football up front, outmatch him up front on both sides of the ball, defensive line and offensive line, play physical up front and beat them that way. And I think that's going to be a big key for you, for the Lions to win this football game here. If you just play and match them good, match them up up front, I mean, guys, especially on the D-line with guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Benito Jones, uh, and then, you know, you match them, you you get up front right there and, you know, match them up and outmatch Tristan Wirfs up front, then you're good, right? So just play physical football and beat them up front if you're the Lions. So who do I have one in this game? I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a game where uh, it's going to come down to the very end. However, and however, I will say this. I think it's going to be a close game, but the Lions are not going to be denied. I think the Lions win this game. They beat the Buccaneers in a very close game by a score of 24-17. Lions 24, Buccaneers 17. They get the win. They move on, and they face the 49ers in the NFC Championship game in Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. So, Lions and 49ers in the NFC Championship. Buccaneers go home and, uh, you know, trying to regroup for the 2024 season. And uh, congrats to them on a fantastic season for the Buccaneers. 24-17, the Lions defeat the Buccaneers Sunday afternoon. That just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy, guys. A big thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some NFL coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, all you have to do is just follow on there, share around with others. X, Instagram, and Facebook, just Type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You'll get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Big thank you again and shout out for you guys listening to this episode. Uh, Tuesday, we will be back for a college football episode of Pigskin Frenzy and it will be the postseason 2023 college football season Q&A. We are going to do a postseason 2023 college football postseason edition Q&A. Uh, ask your questions. I'll post about it on the socials and answer your questions there. Tech DM me your questions, and I will try to get my best to answer all the questions on Tuesday. And if not, we'll have to do a two-parter episode of it. So if I can't get to all y'all's questions. So we're going to answer questions. We're going to try to get everything there Tuesday, and we'll start that up Tuesday. So enjoy playoff football this weekend. I'm Joel Norris signing off, and we will see you Tuesday. For everybody out there this weekend, enjoy playoff football once again, and stay the course.